So I'm on a plane. I'm on a late night plane. I'm heading from LA airport to Sydney, an overnighter, and I've got no idea of the time zones anyway, because you're coming back through time and I've just forgotten. I just know that when I land in Sydney and I try to sleep because I haven't slept much. This is four months ago, coming back from the US, a work trip. And I just can't sleep. I'm pondering, thinking, restless. I try a couple of movies. Ever tried that on a plane? It's just, you know, I watch 10 minutes and I go, oh, it's, can't do that, can't do that. So I turn on my light and I write. I, I write a lot. I write thoughts. I grab my Bible. I want to make some sense of it all. I want to make some sense of the U.S. I want to make some sense of what I've seen and where I've been. And uh, well, I've been in downtown Philadelphia, and, uh, and I deliberately chose to stay in a place called Callow Hill, which is not the, well, it's the might-be-gentrified one-day zone, <laughs> but not yet. Some people call it the arts trendy place, but again, not quite yet. And uh, it's creative, it's fun, but... There's lots of homelessness, there's lots of... The smell, the smell of urine, let's be honest. The smell of people sleeping rough. The, the sense of, am I actually safe here? Should I, should I be wandering around these streets and all that kind of stuff? I'm trying to make sense of this religious experiment called the USA, the place of religious freedom, which, which was the birthplace and, and the escape place from the Reformation for all these people coming and wanting to do their faith without too much hassle. If you know your history, it's, it's kind of, it's fascinating. And I'm in Philadelphia, which is the birthplace of it all, the place of the declaration, all that. And I'm learning, learning, learning. But I'm disturbed by what I see because I, I can't see how this is going to work from here. And, and, and I write, and I write this, the Lord is my only hope in the midst of challenge and the great experiment in human freedom and I thank God for that because he started this experiment in human freedom. I see redemption. I see kindness. And I see forgiveness and hope in the blessing of Adam straight after the fall and the sending of Christ. That Jesus is for humanity. And he works wonders in redemption. And, and I see all the scenes and I, and I see the hand of God continually reaching out to restore and to rebuild what was lost. But I can't just think of Philadelphia, the city of love. That's what they call it. I can't help but think of my own town. It's easy, in fact, good to walk into another town and, and ponder it because you're not familiar with it, right? But stepping back into your own town, I wonder, I wonder what the issues are. I wonder what the thing of our day is. I wonder where the hurt is. I wonder where the loneliness is. I wonder where the homelessness is. I wonder where the struggle is. And I pray and I ponder and I say, so what can I do to echo in my world the redemption of Jesus? Where is the poverty, the racism and the moral destruction most evident? In my town, my town of Bathurst. And so this on a long year of thinking and praying, 
about this. Here is what I came to. I'm most excited about this morning. And I want to share some thoughts. And I want to share the, the diagram of my mind and what I believe that the Lord is showing us. But I want to start with the culture of our world. Culture is the way things are done around here. What, is, what does it look like? Can we paint a picture? And, and, and while there is hope and, and freedom, there, there is all kinds of other things going on. And as I arrived back in Australia, this is what I started to observe. There's a list up here, an unholy list in red. And I see rapid technology change. I mean, rapid generative AI, if you haven't caught up with it. It's, it's radically changing every industry. Are, are you ready for that? Are you ready for the intelligence that's, that's so powerful that it, it just literally redoes the way we do things? And, and we've got to keep up with all this in the middle of a massive social media experiment. The, the history of our world is quite big. Social media has been part of our world for, ooh, 10 years? <laughs> the rapid uptake of our social media, maybe five years on our phones? really short, hey? And yet we're redefining our world by this. And, and our kids are growing up with this thinking that it's normative, but hey, it's not. We have really challenging relationships. Like, what does it mean? Like marriage and family and good friends. I mean, how, how do we do relationships online, offline? What's the plan? Do I need to get out of my house anymore? Can I just have an online relationship? You know, how, how do I find friends? How do I do relationships? How do I do marriage? How do I do this thing called life relationally? How do I make friends these days? We've got all these other things going on, anxieties that are fueled by natural disasters. I mean, just the last few weeks, we've seen some earthquakes in North Africa and a horrendous, horrendous flood dam burst uh, up in, in northern Libya. You know, just shocking. And, and these kind of scenes, refugee crisis coming across from North Africa into Europe. Got war, got ongoing conflict in multiple continents. Some you hear about, some you don't. There's division in our society. I mean, you look at the US coming election. <laughs> and do you just want to run away? Do you just want to turn off the news for a while? But increasing polarisation of our world. We've got identity confusion. Kids growing up, not sure. What, what gender am I? Can I choose? The freedom. Is it freedom? Kids are growing up confused. We've got racial division, which has just kind of been escalated in our country this year. I won't go into that right now. And then El Nino, our friend, arrives. <laughs> just when you thought, you know, suddenly there's not going to rain for the next six months. Suddenly there's going to be bushfires and drought. And, and then there's financial uncertainty. Interest rates haven't leveled off yet. House prices keep going up. Rent keeps going up. Cost of living. Petrol. Ever filled up your car lately? This is the, the seedbed of our world and it's fueling massive anxiety. We've got to, we've got to see that. It's big. And, and as we think about that, the result is what it leads to. And I've got a picture here of, of fear and guilt and shame. And 
it's easy to cower, isn't it? To go, oh, what, well, I don't know what the answer is, but I'll just... You see people, I've met people, I talk with people, and, and this is sometimes the response. Not everybody, you know? Some people are living kind of life, but, but if you're on the edge, if you're vulnerable, if you're at the margins of life, this is probably your posture. Guilt is, is kind of feeling guilty about something that you know you've done. Shame is kind of this sense that something's not quite right, but you can't put your finger on it. And then it's this rapid fear and anxiety. Kids are growing up with multiple fears and anxieties around all kinds of things. But there's an answer. I tell you there's an answer. It starts with the church. It starts with a place of transformation. It starts when I read the Psalms. Thank God for the kids doing Be Calm in the Psalms. Psalms filled with joy out of dust, right? Here's one, Psalm 30, verse 11. It says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. David is not talking about some little experience. He's genuinely gone from being persecuted and oppressed to, to actually rejoicing and dancing. And, and it's a picture of the church. I love this picture. Oh, in, in the green church, right? People come in filled with guilt, fear, and shame, but, but they're filled with life. When they encounter Jesus, their mourning turns to dancing because suddenly there's someone for them. Suddenly there's answers. Suddenly there's deep solutions deep inside, and it affects our thinking, our head, right? We start to see the world differently. We start to understand the way it should be. And our heart is enlarged with life. And we start to feel love and compassion for others more than we had before because we understand that we have a new heart in God and He's forgiven us and transformed us. And then we start doing things with our hands. We start to, to become active in different ways. Our mourning is turned from... That's, that's what the church is about, is, is to take what's from brokenness and turn it into dancing. Church shouldn't be about... Good people come to church. Church should be about people coming in who are broken and, and finding Christ and lifting them up. That's what we're here for. Mark 12 says this. He says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your strength. That's what we learn in church. We learn to love God. Put God first with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Head, heart, and hand. And love our neighbor as ourself. I'm building something here. Because if church just stops like that, if, if that's the, the total of church, just to, just to learn to love God, then we've missed something. We've just become a holy club, a religious institution, a safe place from the world outside because it's dangerous. You see, we could, we could just come in and, hello, brother, hello, sister, and, and just become this kind of enclave in the middle of an increasingly challenging world. I didn't see Jesus do that. In fact, he did the opposite. In fact, he raised up his disciples and sent them. In fact, he, he raised up people and, and made a difference. He, he didn't actually want to go too much to Jerusalem. He went to the towns and the villages and the places that were outside, out of the big smoke, places like Bathurst, Blaney, and Portland, and Lithgow. 
And suddenly, a river starts flowing. Suddenly, there's this life. Now, it starts slow. You see, John 7 says that Jesus stood up in the temple on the last day of this feast. And he cries out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, if, if you're battered around by life, come to me and drink and be filled. But, but look what happens in the next verse. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can you see this? We'll go back to the screen. A trickle starts flowing from individuals. A heartbeat starts flowing outside because it says if, if you come to Christ... There'll be something inside of you that starts flowing out beyond human compassion, beyond our natural ability to feel and to do. Like we've all, humanity, like we, all, we all want to do something, don't we? Like I've got chickens at home, and there's a bully chicken in the chicken yard. <laughs> there's a chicken who, who pecks another chicken, and this chicken is the victim chicken. Have you seen this? Chickens. And so this chicken is walking around, and... There's literally kind of a, all the feathers are gone from her neck. And, you know, I've, I've seen chickens get killed by this. Because they, just, they, they pick on the loser. So I'm going, so I grabbed the bully yesterday. And I go, right, you can get out of the chicken cave. And, and uh, this other chicken had a nice day pecking around, you know. Like there's something inside of us that all of us, natural humanity, we want to stand up for the weak, don't we? Even if they're bird brains we don't like seeing people being intimidated bullied or harassed like that's just natural humanity right you apply it to your dogs and your chickens and whatever but something else starts happening an increased compassion a river from God himself starts flowing out individually and we talked about that last week how you know this Jesus did individual acts you know healing someone just along the way as he walked. And we need that heartbeat of life flowing. And if you missed that last week, grab the podcast. But something exciting starts happening when we do it together. There were an expanded river, like feeding the 5,000 wasn't just Jesus multiplying bread. It was a whole lot of organisation. Putting people in groups, feeding, getting baskets, like... So, so there's coordination and big things that happen in Jesus' time. And, and a big river. And this, this river is the life flowing out. This is what Ezekiel's talking about. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live and there will be many fish. The Dead Sea becomes life. For where this water goes there, the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Do you see this river? Do you see it flowing out? Not, not just individually, like we do our individual things, but I'm probably thinking it's hard to do individual things. We get distracted. We have great intentions. Sometimes it doesn't always happen, does it? I mean, if you think about it, last week we wrote down things I want to do this week. If, if we're honest, how many, how many executed that? Or did we forget about it? Or just didn't have the opportunity? Or just got busy and... Perhaps it would help if we had a collective river to swim out of and to bless. I believe that's what Ezekiel's talking about. Everything will live 
where the river goes. Everything starts coming to life. And this river is large. It's kind of like, what can we build together to be a blessing to change the world? I reckon it's time to roll up our sleeves and start to build something together. Not, not just the congregation of the church. This is great. I love the church. I love this. It's the, it's the foundation and the bedrock of all we do. But it can't be the sum total of all we do. What if we started to imagine a place in the heart of our city? What if there was something attached to the river here that facilitated the river flowing? What if it was a place for our community to gather? What if it was a place of hope, of meaning, of purpose? What if it was a genuine act, an arm of the church that could be life-giving, facilitating life flowing out, a place of safety for meeting felt needs? Now here is a key idea. I know that the way to change the world is here. I know I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if every single person on the planet shifted from mourning to dancing? If they knew Christ on the inside of them, how much greater would our world be? I mean, envy would start flowing down. Pride would start going down. Abuse would start. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? doesn't mean we're perfect. Church is not perfect. People are not perfect. There's still going to be sin, this side of heaven, right? But... I know the reality, probably that not everybody is going to come to Christ in our city. But, but can we affect the world? Can we still have social transformation? Can we still speak into situations? Can we still build something? Psalm 12.5. We're in the Psalms still. Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. What a scripture. It's like you get to a point in society where things get so bad, God goes, right, now, now, now I'll arise. It's like my chicken. Because I'm sick of seeing the poor plundered and the needy groaning. Now I'm going to do something about that. Now I'm going to evict bully chicken from the chicken yard. And I'll place intimidated chicken in the safety for which she longs. I know that sounds silly, but it's exactly what I think God is doing. God is stirring something now. Going right, Our world is needy. Now, now, and I think that's a challenge for us. Now, now let's arise. Let's do something. Coordinated acts of mercy. More than what we could affect just on our own. And, and building a place like here. Thanks, Naomi. You're keeping up beautifully. A place here. Look at this. Where we could actually affect real change. Now, when I think about churches in our region, there's so much good happening. I mean, Hope Bathurst, they have a phenomenal outreach uh, for food, for kitchen, pantry. Brilliant. Uh, I think it's almost every day now that they're running a soup kitchen 
out of there. They've got a great facility and are genuinely doing a great job. There's places like United Church. They're sort of trying to get something going. It's hard, you know, in homelessness and shelter in winter. And that's it's amazing. They've got facilities to do that and, and a heartbeat for that. And, and other churches are doing their thing, right? But, but what, if, what if there was a place for where life hits the wall? You're probably not going to turn up to Sunday morning worship, right? Increasingly in a church, you, people are not going to come through the doors and go, ah, I need Jesus, because they've heard of Jesus. But they need food. They need meaning. They need understanding. They need help with their kids. They need help with parenting. They need to understand. So what if, what if we had a place where we could help people? What if in education, increasingly kids are battling. You know, you've seen the NAPLAN scores. You've seen the results go down across. We've seen literacy rates fall. The church everywhere it's gone has raised literacy rates, started schools. Education is such a key. What if we could start? Maybe it's a homework club. Thursday afternoons for kids who could just use a bit of help. And some people inside of that that could could work them through. And here's a computer that could help you. And let's read this book together. What what could that look like? Can you start dreaming with me a little? Like what, what could it be that we could genuinely help some of the felt needs in our community? Kids battling with relationships. Parents battling. How do I raise kids these days? It's so different. Parent, what if, what if it was once, once a fortnight, months, Wednesday nights? Parenting help. Get some experts in from the region. How do you parent teenagers? How do you parent toddlers? How do you get babies to sleep? Some really basic stuff that could make such a difference. Relationships. How do you do marriage? How do you get on with life? Running seminars, forums, walking with people, but a context of community that could actually help. Not just information, but people in community. Maybe it's finances. Continued indebtedness. Like, Wouldn't it be awesome to get people out of debt? Help run programs like CAP, Christians Against Poverty. That's their whole aim. Get people out of debt, budgeting properly, so that they can live with some sense of dignity and meaning. Wouldn't that be awesome to run something out of here and to help change people's worldview? Help them get their own value, understand how much they're, they're valued by God. Help them get a sense of how important they are to God. Lift up their gaze, reduce the anxiety, practical help with the things they've got in life and start to make a difference to our society in such a different way. Now this gets me excited. This keeps me awake at night in a good way because I start seeing it. I start dreaming of a place. I really believe this is the kind of thing that God is calling us to build next. What, is, what have we got that we could offer our society not a time to moralize. It's a time to care. No strings attached. It's like an activist center for good. And what starts to happen is increasingly life will flow out of that. Societal transformation. Not just saving people, but increasing the kingdom of God. See, so we change 
from our culture of our world to kingdom culture, which are, which are these things here. Life, certainty, peace, security, knowledge, confidence. Peace is again there. Reconciliation, right relationships. And so our world is starting to transform. I really believe that we have a call not just to save people, but to transform our society. Matthew 6, 33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you, you know, you, what you need for to food and to wear. Seek first the kingdom. It's this idea of seeing God's kingdom come. What is it like in the reign of God? Well, there's peace and there's joy and there's healing and there's freedom. What, what was it like when Jesus walked the planet Earth around him? Would spread, you know, it's like flowers on those cartoons. You know. what, is, what is it? It's Jesus would heal people. He'd bless people. He'd teach people. He'd encourage people. He'd stop natural disasters like waves and wind. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd had authority over the things of this world. And he says to us, pray that your kingdom comes. What does it look like? What would it look like for kingdom culture to invade Bathurst region? What would we see the end of? What would we see the beginning of? Isn't this exciting? Starting to, to dream kingdom dreams. Because God is making all things new. That's our job. In Revelation 21.5, he said, Behold, I'm making all things new. I believe that's the future of our planet. That God is remaking our planet. Now we might look at it. And go, my goodness, <laughs> like we're ruining our planet and all that sort of stuff. But actually, God's purpose for the planet is to make it all brand new and to come here again and reside. And now he's calling us ahead of that to have your kingdom come. Pray you will be done. You see that? So the church is called to get ready for when God's kingdom comes back in fullness and makes all things new, restores it. That's our job. It's a cultural mandate. And there will be. There'll be a flow back to church. I guarantee it. But that's not the point. There will be people who get free. There will be people who, who are, get better parents and, and get free of debt. And, and there will be a flow back. But it's a small arrow. It's not necessarily the point. You see, just as I finish this little bit, God, God is in the mess working to make all things new. I have tremendous hope for our world, for our city, for our culture. Because I know the heartbeat of God. And I reckon we can do this together. And I reckon we can build and build and build. But what it takes is a few people to go, let's actually do something. Let's actually change some things. Let's stare long and hard at our, at our city in our region and go, let's pick a fight with something. Let's chase something. Maybe it's pornography. And there's ruining lives. How do you do that? I don't know, but let's chase it. Maybe it is kids' literacy rates. Maybe it is relationships. Maybe it is financial hardship. 
Let's pick a couple of things and stare them down and give people the keys to work those things through from a kingdom point of view. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, this is not just one person. This is together. And this is the point of life build. We're at the point of creating something new. 